everybody. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean, the host with my co-host Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you? Doing good, man. Uh, calming down from a pretty crazy weekend of uh, college football. Yeah, like not only the games, because the games were, uh, there was a lot of good games, but then the coaching carousel, and we'll talk all about that whenever we talk about each specific team, but craziness just each and every day, it seems like uh, even today, as we were like an hour before we started doing this, uh, other news broke for another uh, big college team that uh, picked someone to be their head coach. So it's just, it's kind of crazy. You know, a lot of things happened on Sunday uh, that, you know, precluded to where just all of this stuff was going. Let, actually, you know what? We were going to do it as we were going, but let's just talk about it. So on Sunday, Around like what was it like one like twelve one one o'clock let's see twelve o'clock I I remember the chain of events twelve o'clock around one Florida hires Billy Napier yeah and then an hour later um Lincoln Riley goes to USC and then three hours after that Brian Kelly goes to LSU no 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 it was Monday. That was that Monday? Brian, yeah, Monday was Brian Kelly. So Brian Kelly left on Monday because it was still, you know, it was like the three big jobs at that point were LSU, USC, and Florida. And so it was like, who's going to get who? You know, Billy Napier was obviously being pegged for Florida. Um, no one really knew what USC was doing. They didn't really have any idea. LSU had a few people, like, targeted – some thought that Billy Napier might be a target because he was in, he was at Louisiana Lafayette, but not really hearing much back and forth between those two. Um, but then, you know, all that goes down. And then, uh, you know, so USC and Florida got their coaches. And then on Monday, it was like out of nowhere, I started seeing Brian Kelly might be a target. And then it was like by like five o'clock, he was the pick. And, uh, you know, just totally surprised, I think, everyone because yeah. it was, you know, he's he's potentially going to be in the playoffs this year with Notre Dame. And now he's gone. And like, I don't know. It's very bizarre because it's like, you know, um, it's just it's very unprecedented, actually, because it's like your team still has the potential to win a championship and you're walking away from it now. You know, I I don't think I've ever seen that happen. The um, only time I've seen or I can think of something like that happening and it didn't even really happen was uh, when in 2007, again, the comparisons between this year and 2007 uh, was when there were rumors that Les Miles was going to go to Michigan during champion the week they were going to be like a uh, national championship. And there were rumors all over the place that, you know, he may not even coach the national championship game and go to Michigan all that was proven false, though. He obviously stayed at LSU, but this is like the what you know the alternate reality version of that. Where yeah, we've had it ironically involving LSU as well. Yeah, where a coach has left the school on the verge of a playoff uh, spot because it it's the potential is there for Notre Dame to you know uh, there's more chaos needs to happen. But if this season starts anything, is that it's not impossible. Uh, so there's a possibility Notre Dame can get in and not have a coach. Well, okay. So let's talk about that. So Notre Dame then, okay. So now after those musical chairs, 
Then Notre Dame doesn't have a coach and Oklahoma doesn't have a coach as of today, before we started this about an hour or two ago, Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator for uh, Notre Dame, who had been the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, um, is tabbed the next head coach of Notre Dame. So what that means is he's already on staff and he's just going to take over. It didn't say interim. I just saw he yeah, is the head I, I coach. Think, I think they said, yeah, he's going to be the head coach now from now on. Yeah, so which is good because then they can just keep going with what they're doing. Um, I don't know what their offensive coordinator situation was like, but they're keeping the I'm same sh- offensive coordinator. Well, there you go. So they're almost, it's almost not that different from what they had with Brian Kelly. It's just Brian Kelly's not there. So it'll be basically the same team. Um, it's still obviously very difficult because like you said, they're not they're, The head coach is not there who had been there for what? 10, 11 years. Yeah, winning his coach in Notre Dame history. Crazy. And so uh, he's gone. And then what I think is a possibility, a strong possibility, is Josh Heupel leaving Tennessee and going to Oklahoma with that being the last opening, the major openings. And if that is the case, then then Tennessee is in the mix for another coaching Don't forget about Lane Kiffin, too. I know, which, you know, I, I, there's no way in hell that Lane Kiffin would go back to Tennessee. There's no way. And plus, no, no, would, not to Tennessee, but I could see them trying to poach him to Oklahoma. That would be yeah. hilarious. So if he does go back to Tennessee, like the, there's no uh, way after literally a few months after they hurled like crap at him, there's no way because you know why? Because uh, he, you know, was already there before and like, basically at this point Ole Miss and Tennessee are basically the same job there's not much difference besides you're not going up a level going to Tennessee you're just just basically a lateral move so what's the point and plus like Tennessee doesn't have the recruiting uh, like recruiting base that like you know even Ole Miss like it's in Mississippi but like there are still good recruits out of Mississippi. And it's like basically only between them and Mississippi state that they have to get recruits from Tennessee has to fight like all these, all those teams around them, you know, really to get recruits. And it's like, then there's not that many recruits coming out of uh, the the state of Tennessee anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, but if, if Hypo leaves and that leaves Tennessee open and that's what would be crazy because that would mean Tennessee Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Florida, LSU, USC. That's six major schools change their co- their head coach. I'm like two a month span. I've never heard of that. Never. Like they, this is the craziest coaching carousel it's ever been. Like somebody, I saw a post. They said this is like when you're playing the NCAA video games of uh, yeah the coaching exactly. carousel mode. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. It's wild. It literally is the most wild shit. Because I was like, I was blown away when Lincoln Riley went because it was, it kind of was weird because it was like you know boom Billy Napier and it's like Billy Napier, um. That was huge news. Like we knew that he was. We, we knew he, they were, he was the leading candidate for Florida. Yeah, and I then, mean, they, but it was still a big hire because it's like we, you know, he's been wanting to the the potential of him jumping uh, to the SEC has been there for a couple of years, and he finally makes the jump. Uh, then, uh, yeah, and then Lincoln Riley was like, "Hold my beer." Yeah, I mean, it was instant, and you know, 
they the reports were that he t- like talked to USC on I think on, on Sunday morning and was art like they both sides were like convinced and like they already had the like um the financials together because they put uh offers on both of his houses 500 grand over what the houses were worth and then bought a house for him in LA for 6 million and was like all this stuff was happening literally like as it was going down and it's like I'm like what the hell like they they were they knew they were going to get him it's wild it's really I, wild I will say and I said this today too I think him I think Oklahoma going to the SEC did play a part in it cuz I remember because I remember saying this before this season, there was not a whisper of Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma at all. The only time I rem- ever remember hearing him possibly leaving Oklahoma was like the far fetched belief that he would be the head coach of the Cowboys. Like I remember like hearing that when whatever the Cowboys coach was fired a couple years ago, and there was like some thought that well maybe you know they would you know, open the briefcase and have him jump to the NFL. That was the only time I have ever heard Lincoln Riley being uh, considered leaving Oklahoma. And then this season, right after Oklahoma and Texas announced they're going to the SEC, there starts to be some validity to him leaving. And it's, I wouldn't say it, it's like a cowardly move, but I mean, it's a smarter decision because he knows. I don't know what Lincoln Riley's record in the SEC against SEC teams is, but I know it's not good because he's lost to Georgia. He's lost to Alabama a few times. And you're going to have to deal with that regularly. So he saw the opening at USC and he's like, well, I can, we sure as know he can recruit the hell out of uh, the country. And as California is a factory for, uh, talent so he can probably rule california have a much easier schedule and an easier path to the college football playoff does that mean he's gonna make it easier chance to the national championship or to win a national championship we'll have to see but i mean he picked he definitely picked the best option for him uh when it comes to you know wanting to you know go to a national championship yeah i mean it it's probably the smartest move that he could do because he avoids the SEC. He uh, puts himself into a situation where a conference where they are the top dog every year, regardless of whatever. The USC has always been able to corner the recruiting out there or out here, and um, you know they, um, you know he's going to be able to get, you know, all the five stars that come out of here, which are quite a few. I mean, look at the quarterbacks that come out of. California, you know, they're always yeah. highly rated. Him, and um, I think him going to California is like, in terms of recruiting, not coaching, but him recruiting will be like how it was with Pete Carroll. Cause if there was a, if there was a, a big, big name recruit out of California, he, he was going to USC. They yeah. put all their chips into those five stars and made well, sure they were not leaving the state. But they also, at that point, I would say like 04, 05, they were also a very national brand at the time, too. So yes. they were getting like everyone. It was, you know, that era w- was very, very uh, fortunate for the the Trojans. You know, they had such a good, um, I don't know, they were just steamrolling people. And then it, it was definitely because, you know, it, Pete Carroll didn't leave right away. 
He no, stayed yeah. a few years after uh, Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush left. But once he knew that there were going to be um, NCAA violations, he left. And, you know, it was really because Lane, when Lane Kiffin took over, they struggled. And if he he probably shouldn't have taken over the job when he did. If he had like stayed at Tennessee and just try to like make Tennessee happen and then like like come to USC once it got over those recruiting violations, he probably would have been fine. But he went to USC too early and uh, it was it was just not good. But uh, um, yeah, just craziness, this coaching carousel. I am, you know, I'm. I'm not going to say it hurts the the sport. It really doesn't because these guys that are in college football, the coaches that are more than likely are, they stay in college football, you know, like even the assistants and everything, they kind of stay in college football. So it's like, it's not really, I don't know. Do you see it as a detriment in any way? Cause I don't, I don't really think it's that big I, of a deal with this many flippage. I said, um, I said this to my cousin. I said, this whole coaching change is like heroin. It's really, <laughs> it's a really fun high. And you can't deny it's not fun seeing these big time coaches going, going and flipping to these programs. And same thing with these players following suit. But there is a drawback to it. And I don't think it's overly healthy because there's no stability. There's not as much stability as there is in the sport anymore, at least when it comes to these programs. Um, always how it was like not even like 10 years ago. Uh, Cause now you don't know what coach is willing to take the next best job and the next level up. I don't know, you know, if there's a real reasoning behind why this is happening. Um, but I do, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, god awful for the sport because i still think you know it's good to you know at least shake things up i it's good for parody but in terms of stability it's not as good because it's unless like coaches like you know bobby bowden joe paterno those guys that stayed at those schools for decades um and built these programs up the only two coaches I see being like that are Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban. Those are the only two coaches I could possibly see is like not wanting to, you know, find another job, um, at least in college to, you know, get to the next best level. But that, what I was saying was like the, the days of those coaches staying long-term, I think are long gone. It's all about getting the next, you know, get to the next best position. And that goes same for the athletic directors too, where they're willing to cut bait on some of these coaches who have done well, but possibly can get something better in return. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's uh, so let's just do the show. You know, we, we jumped into into the coaching carousel cause it was a lot of crazy news going on. Um, but the normally how the show works, well, let's first do the social. So uh, you can reach us at haterradio.com. Uh, you can reach us at both Insta and uh, Twitter on hater underscore radio for both of those. And then uh, hater radio at one hater radio one at gmail.com for email. Ian, what's your socials real quick? Yes. Uh, my socials are on uh, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. G Gator G capital G underscore Gator underscore capital G. Yeah. And on uh 
YouTube, you can find us at Hater Radio as well. Um, okay, so how the show works, we like to do a recap of the games that happened before last week, and then we'll do uh, a look at the Heisman standings, a look at the uh, college football playoff rankings, and then we do a look ahead to the week coming up. So with that in mind, let's do the recap of week 13. First game I have is Ole Miss-Mississippi State. Interesting game. Ole Miss pretty much, you know, was ahead the whole time. You know, Mississippi State still put up some numbers, but Ole Miss was up uh, enough. They ended up winning 31-21. We thought – I think both of us had a higher score. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't remember. I don't have it written down, but we both predicted kind of like a high score, but it ended up 31-21. Anything from that game that stands out to you? Besides Matt Corral – I don't know. I'm kind of like now looking at the numbers. I'm not really that excited about him. He had a very uh, good completion percentage besides the yeah. interception. Um, but I think, you know, it was Ole Miss did have control of this game. And I remember they scored the touchdown uh, late in the game. It was uh, it was that rushing play with like five minutes left. And I was like, okay, they got this one in the bag. Yeah. So, you know, this was a kind of a, you know, game Ole Miss had control of through and throughout, and they were the defense did a very good job of not letting Mississippi State get the big play, um, which was the biggest thing uh, to prevent with this air raid type of offense with uh, Mike Leach. For sure, yeah, um, yeah. The big play, you know, they kept everything in front of them uh, and kept uh, Mississippi State at bay until it was too late. So they had control the whole game, and it was, a, once again, another good win for the Rebels. Nice. All right, moving on. Uh, Boise State, San Diego State. This game actually was like, uh, I guess it's like seven miles away from me. And I wanted to go once I realized it was close because I didn't realize that San Diego State has been playing in Carson, um, not far from where I'm living right now. And um, But either way, uh, San Diego State wins 27-16. It was like a back and forth like Boise State was up for a little while and then San Diego State just really took it to them and um I think San Diego State ended up with what two losses or something like that which oh uh, one, you know, loss. one loss one loss of the year dude that's that's a damn good year that's 11 and 1 and do they does the Mountain West have a conference championship I believe they do um cuz I didn't <laughs> yes yes they do they're playing uh, Utah State Okay, yeah, I didn't put it in the. In I don't the think there's list any conferences games. that don't have a conference championship anymore. Uh, the Mac, yeah, they have a. No, championship. Mac, had, Mac was one of the first ones to have a conference yeah. championship. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know because there's the Group of Five, and then the Power Five. So is that ten conferences? I, guess Sun, I think the Mac Sun has Bell, one. Mac Midwest or Mountain West. Three Sunbell. What's what's the other two? I don't know. There's Regardless, some, the Conference USA, Sunbelt. USA. Yeah, they have one. And then what's the one that UTSA is in? Uh, I think that's Conference USA. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on real quick because uh there wasn't much from that game that we really need to talk about. So Iowa, Nebraska. Man, I swear, dude, Nebraska. <laughs> Bad luck, man. How did they lose this game? I still watching the highlights. I'm like, they lost this game. They were like dominating Iowa the entire game. And I'm like, there's no fucking way. I don't get it, man. I don't get why they're as snake bitten as they are. It's 
quite remarkable. It's it's a like a feat to lose this many one score games. It's like, I mean, they, they just and the games that they have won, I think they've like blown people out. And it's so like almost every their losses are just yeah. one score games. And it's like, damn, I I couldn't take it. If I was a fan of this team, I would be miserable. Yeah, and I it's, bet they, it's tough. <laughs> Dude, that is bizarre. But uh, uh, Nebraska loses 28-21. Okay, uh, moving on. Cincinnati, East Ca- Eastern Car- uh, East Carolina, sorry. 35-13, Cincinnati. Uh, it was close for, like, end of the first quarter, and then Cincinnati just took over and um, – Yeah, ran away with it. Yeah, and, you know, they set up their matchup with Houston in the uh, conference championship. So, they'll be, you know – it's not a it's not a layup in the conference championship no. game, but uh, it was good to see them dominate in this game because um, if they looked bad in it, it could have been detrimental to their playoff hopes. But we'll talk about what happened yesterday on Tuesday because today is Wednesday when we're doing the show, so we'll talk about the what the playoff picks were. But okay, moving on, Missouri Arkansas, interesting game. I just. Man, I really like this Arkansas team. I don't know about you, Ian, but like KJ Jefferson just has really good command of this offense. Yeah. And like yeah, he because he's that dual, he's kind of like one of those RPO type of uh, quarterbacks where he's willing, you know, he can run and throw. It's kind of like uh, what's a good example? Um, kind of reminds me of like a, a Tebow is a very bad example, but at least a quarterback where like, okay, he's your running back too. But I think. KJ Jefferson is a better thrower than Tebow. Like, I think oh yeah, no, he Tebow a was a bad ball. example. He was just the only one I could think yeah, of yeah, where like he could I rely mean, on both the rushing and uh, you know, passing too. You could probably he's probably like a slower Lamar Jackson almost. To like, ex- yeah, yeah, to an extent because he's obviously nowhere near as speedy, but like KJ Jefferson is very very capable runner, and he does he does like take on um, hits. You know, he's not. He's not afraid of contact, and I don't know. He's just it, – it is – considering how bad they were the last couple of years to go from, like, one and two wins and then last year have an okay year. I think they were still under 500, and then to this year go eight and four. It's just huge. Like, now with Sam Pittman, like, getting recruits and, like, Seeing where it can go from here, I mean, the sky is the limit with that team. I mean, they could be—they're not going to be twelve and zero, but they could definitely be ten and two. I could see ten oh, yeah. and two out of them, and one of those losses probably being Alabama. But I mean, that's just is what it is. But you know, like a a, a solid second place in that division, which, considering how strong the division is now, getting Brian Kelly, like it's it's a very tough division, and. I mean, who would have thought when Sam Pittman got hired that he was going to be as good as he has been? You know, I I didn't. I just I knew that he was a good offensive line coach, but you know, offensive line coaches have done okay through the years, but never been like you know amazing standouts. So, yeah, yeah. I think like the only one that really like stood out to me, I think, was probably uh, Les Miles. I think he was an offensive line coach. I think Maybe. he was something like that. I know like he a tight played, ends coach. Yeah, I know he played offensive line. I don't know if he 
let me see. Last mile, let me check it up real quick. But um, no, just Arkansas, you know, it's a yeah, he was offensive line and then he uh was an OC for a couple of years and then was the uh tight ends coach for uh Dallas Cowboys. So um no Arkansas definitely amazing year they've had. You know, I'm really really glad because you know i like that fan base out of most of the sec fan bases they're very um i don't know they're just likable people they're not as like douchey as alabama and they're not as like um pathetic as georgia so like arkansas is just like you know they've been around they've been in the sec for 30 years and uh i just hope that they have a good run because you know what they had through um what's his face uh bobby petrino was really uh fool's gold because they had that one good year and then it was like he was gone after that um but anyways yeah with like darren mcfadden and those guys yeah 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 uh okay no that actually was um houston nut oh yeah that's right yeah wait wait Houston. Was it? It was the year. Whatever, whoever the coach was in two thousand six, or we said had Darren McFadden. God, I can't remember. Because I know Houston Nutt left Arkansas and went to Ole Miss, and it was around that time. Um, because I don't think Bobby Petrino was there. Because it was Houston Nutt. What it was Houston Nutt? Okay, yeah. Because yeah. then he left. Yeah, no, you're right. Because he was on the Falcons at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And then he left. See, because Houston Nutt left Arkansas and went to Ole Miss. And then there was something. Do you know that um, Gus Malzahn was with he was the high school coach of I think the kid's name was Mustaine or something like that. And oh, yeah. Mick Mustaine. Yeah. Yeah. And he he went to Arkansas as the O.C., because they, it was like a package deal. They weren't going to take Mustaine without taking uh, Gus Malzahn. And so that's why the Wildcat became a thing was because Gus Malzahn was there. And then um, Gus left when Mitch, no, he got, so Houston Nutt got fired or I don't remember if he fired or he left or what happened, but he went to Ole Miss and then Bobby Petrino came to Arkansas and then um, Gus Malzahn, I think, I don't remember what happened, but I know he went to Auburn at some point. And obviously when they won that title with Cam, they, they won there. And then he left, went to Arkansas state as the head coach and then came back when uh, Chiswick was fired. But yeah, long, that's a wild history. That couple of teams yeah. right there with all that, but uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, USF UCF. I was trying to watch this as much as I could. We were doing some stuff on Friday or yeah, Friday and, uh, USF, you, you told me they got screwed and they did, man. Like, yep. I don't see how that Timmy McLean was not down. Uh, UCF holds on wins win 17, 13, but I thought could have swore when I saw the repo, it was like, it's gotta be reviewed and like overturned. Well, like, it was isn't... reviewed. The problem was, so the thing that screwed him over is that, okay, he's, he throws the ball and he's, you know, it looks like he, he is down, 
before yeah. he throws the ball. So that's not an interception. Right. So USF is scrambling to get to the line and just hike the ball and spike it. Um, because that means the clock is still running. So they would at least have one play left. Yeah. Um, but then like all there's a bunch of craziness going on because like UCF is storming the field and all that. Uh, so then, then the official was like, okay, we got to review this. And they reviewed it. They said he was down, but they didn't count the snap or any because USF wasn't couldn't snap the ball because UCF was still running around and there was the field was all crazy. So they said they the game expired because USF never snapped the ball, uh, which is unfair because they didn't have to. But I still think there would have been like a 10 second runoff. So either way, it was going to be over no matter what. Yeah. yeah, it was going to be a messy ending. I will say, I mean, yeah, they that's a really bad way to go. Um, I will say, though, USF had plenty of opportunities before that part to yeah. punch it in and get some more points on the board. And I remember the broadcast said you can't be training field goals for touchdowns in a game like this. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, so they're two and ten, you know, really tough year. I, I was, you know, feeling that I should be like, oh, I, you know, mm-hmm. Jeff Scott should get another chance next year. Let's see what he does. But I'm kind of like on the, 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 the point now where I'm like, okay, dude, that's two years and you have three total wins. Like, I don't know. I give him more time because this is not the same USF team that he inherited. This isn't like when Charlie Strong came in with USF and he had Quentin Flowers and Marlon Mack that's, and those that's guys. That's completely different, he, though. That was that was a a juggernaut that yeah that they had running there at that point. And Just Charlie coming in with nothing. He's Charlie, coming in with absolutely nothing. Charlie ruined everything, like everything. Like that team was running smooth. Like they had eleven wins. Uh, the year before that he got there. And then the next year he comes in and I think they won 10 and it's like, and I think they were like 10 and one up until the point or they were 10 until and the, Yeah. Uh, well, until the UCF to, game. Well, they lost to Houston, I think the week before as well. So they were 10 and Oh, and it's like, dude, you had this team basically at 21 in like two in a two year span. And you, from that point on, he lost so many games after that. And I don't know, man. I I am forever grateful for Charlie Strong being the defensive coordinator during those years with Urban. And he did a hell of a job and he was a great recruiter. But it's honestly, besides that one year at Louisville, he really hasn't done shit. And I'm talking like in a like 10-year window of uh the teams that he's coached. And you know, that's Kind of, you know, one is an outlier, you know, the one good year is an outlier. The rest of it is pretty much who he is. He's not a good coach. And I don't think he should be um, a head coach anymore. Uh, And then he got like, he got some recruiting violations for like, uh, did something where he had analysts, like hired analysts that were doing coaching and he would like, purposefully do it around the compliance department's people's back, which that's the compliance department that I worked at. And I'm just like, dude, like you, you were cheating and you still sucked. Like that's terrible. That's almost like a sin. If you're going to cheat, at least win, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Moving on. 
uh, UNC, NC State. Very good game. Uh, back and forth. NC Great State game, wins. but it pissed me off because it ruined my upset. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot you picked that one. Uh, NC State wins 34-30, but does not get into the ACC championship game because um, – who won? Clemson won, right? Or no, Wake Forest won. No, Wake won. won. Yeah, sorry, Wake won. So Wake moves on. And uh, so we'll have Wake and Pittsburgh, your boy, Kenny Pickett, um, with another chance. Dude, I saw something online. I don't know what site it was, but I was like looking up stats and stuff on Heisman teams or Heisman candidates. They didn't even have Kenny Pickett like mentioned at all. And I was just oh, like, man, this that's, is a, that's a tragedy. Dude, he has better numbers than anybody. He has he more touchdowns total, more yards than anybody. Um, his completion percentage is a little less, but his interception rate is not great because it's like seven. But still, it's like 42 touchdowns to seven interceptions, which that's pretty damn good. Um, I don't know how he's not in the mix. It's basically because he's on a team like Pitt that, you know, is not a, a perennial winner. So like no one really cares about Pitt, you know, and like I don't know if if you ever notice in their their uh, at their home games, there's not that many people at their games. Not not is, usually, yeah. Which I'm like, it's a busy market because you got you know you got the Steelers, you got the Penguins, you got the I know there's Pirates a lot to and, do, but it's like it's still sad that they can't uh, they can't sell out their games. Pitt, Pitt is well, they, Pitt is kind of like. Not Pitt is better, but Pitt is kind of like USF, where USF, yeah. you know, because they play in a pro stadium and, you know, it's a busy market. We're like Tampa. You got to deal with, you know, the Buccaneers, the Lightning. So there's going to be a lot of attention drawn if you're not winning or as successful. They've definitely been better in past years with uh, more fans going to games. But it, like I said, it's there's a difference. Yeah, so they, uh, regardless, NC State wins. I mean, we're talking about Pitt here, but NC State wins 34-30. Sam Howell just concludes. Like a 14 uh, points in like something seconds. It was crazy. Yeah, oh, dude. Two touchdowns in 26 seconds. So, like, I was like, I saw, what was it, like a two minutes left. They took a sack, and it was like, from that point on, they won the game. And it's like, if you'd showed that to anybody, they would have been like, no way they're winning this game. <laughs> yeah. And they ended oh, yeah. Up winning. Wow. So uh, moving on, Washington State, Washington, uh, Washington State smokes them 40 to 13. I'm going to move on from that one because there's nothing there because they didn't get into the Pac-12 championship. Uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Georgia steamrolls them 45, nothing. Not really anything to talk about. Interesting game here. Penn State, Michigan State. Back and forth game, uh, 27 to 30. The extension bowl. I know, yeah. And then the snow, too. I love the snow. It was great. It was um, unfair, though. You can't have Penn State wear all white against snow. <laughs> I, was, I remember watching that game, and I was I couldn't even find where the Penn State players were. No, but it was, uh, you know, it, it was pretty typical game of Michigan State. Like, I would say that – this is their type of game. And, you know, they played very strong. Um, They're just a very opportunistic team, and they made the most of their chances. And, you know, Penn State, what is that, five losses? Um, Yeah, seven and five season. I mean, five losses this year. I think they had – they went 0-5 to start last year. I mean, the the shine is coming off James Franklin. Like, it's – 
I don't see what they saw in giving him a, an extension, but Hey, they obviously like him cause he is, you know, good with like, you know, the academic side and like, you know, not causing he's a any controversy. He's, he's a stable coach. Exactly. And they've, you know, before him, I know Bill O'Brien was the exception, but before him, you know, uh, Joe Paterno was there for 50 years or whatever. So really they've only had three coaches in the last 60 years. And I think that's what they're kind of wanting. They're wanting someone just there. And even if he has bad years, they're willing to accept it. And I think they're just like, you know what? It's no big deal. Do better next year. And it's funny because it's like, I heard someone talk about it where they were like, you know, if, uh, you know, that was an SEC coach, the guy would be fired right away, especially the last two years. I mean, that's he's basically did what Ed Ogeron did after winning a national title and yeah. he got fired. You know what I'm saying? Like his record, like, look, if, if you look at it, it's, it's almost pretty, the exact it's, same record. It's pretty similar. Yeah. And it's like, dude, that is bizarre to me. But again, Ed Ogeron had a lot of other things going on. That, with he, the, there was, it wasn't just him, the team not playing good with Ogeron. It was a lot, a lot of stuff on the outside too. Oh yeah. Tons of stuff. Okay. Moving on. Uh, the game, I, 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 I laugh at that moniker, but that's what they want to call it. So whatever, this is what they call it. The game is Harvard Yale. I don't know. So they're just kind of they just take it, it over. Yeah. yeah. Harvard Yale, no one cares about now. But OK, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan kind of, you know, it was actually a close game. Like and then Michigan started taking control and uh, they win 42 to 27. Um, I thought that. Ohio State was going to steamroll him. So did you. We were thinking in that boat, but Michigan was just definitely the better team here. Ian, I want to hear your thoughts because, you know, obviously I was wrong about Michigan and I'm eating crow big time about this. Yeah. Um, I have this scene from my favorite movie uh, to say about that game. The crazy son of a bitch. Yeah. He did it. <laughs> What was it? You crazy son of a bitch. You did it. Is that what it was? Yeah. From Jurassic Park is when Ian Malcolm sees the Brachiosaurus and goes, you did it. You crazy son of a bitch. You did it. Uh, I, love, I love it. It was literally movie. the same reaction. Yeah. It was the same reaction I had when Jimbo Fisher beat Nick Saban. Cause that was the thing with Harbaugh is that he couldn't win the big game, let yeah. alone beat Ohio state. He and, never this Ohio beat and this Ohio state was kind of loaded to the teeth as well, but I will give credit they figured out how to beat them the same way Oregon did get them out of their comfort zone, score fast, score early. And it showed that the defense of Ohio state was not up to par against a Russian attack. That's what Oregon exploited and Michigan absolutely exposed that uh, in this game too. They bullied them. They just uh, ran it down their throats. And I mean, the Michigan quarterback didn't even really have to throw it that much. It just, yeah. He didn't have to, because they were just running it the whole time. That's what I was saying. Such good success running it. So they didn't need to. Yeah. That's what I was saying. They did exactly what Oregon was doing. It showed that the rushing defense of Ohio state was not up to the parts to maintain, like holding a team like that uh, down. It was do you, okay. Regardless of what you feel about their Big Ten championship possibility, like if they can win the conference championship this week, how do you feel about them going up against playoff teams? Michigan. Um, yeah. 
Well, what I mean, it's a uh, it depends on the team. Because <laughs> well, um, as of right now, it looks like they'll be the number two seed, so they'd have so to they play would, either Alabama or Cincinnati or maybe even Oklahoma State or whatever. It would it would depend because I mean I'm not trying to spoil it, but I don't see two SEC teams in, so I'll just say that. Um, what if Alabama beats Georgia? Then yeah, this they would both have I'm, one loss. I'm spoiling my pick for the SEC championship, is what okay. I'm saying. There you go. Um, <laughs> I I don't see that. The only one I could see them beating is Cincy. What about Oklahoma State if they played them? I think Oklahoma State's defense is too. I think that defense is well that is enough. The best defense, man. I th- swear next that, to yeah. Georgia, it's enough to plug the holes against the Russian attack. See, but I think they're a better defense because, like I said, they're a ba- battle tested uh, a, a group, and that is the difference. And that's where I could see them going up against a team like uh, Georgia and stopping their offense. And then um, all they need is just a little bit of. Uh, points from there, but they can get points from all over because they got a kickoff return um, against Oklahoma, and then they can do some other things. So I don't know. I like Oklahoma State. I really think they're going to do well if they can beat Baylor. They got to beat Baylor though. So let's move on real quick. I'm going to do this one. There's only two things I want to talk about with this next one: FSU, Florida. Florida <laughs> wins 24-21. <laughs> one, I want to talk about. Okay. Thank God Anthony Richardson came in because Emory Jones looked like shit once again. And nothing nothing against the young man. He seems like a great teammate and a very amazing human being, but he's a terrible quarterback. And Anthony Richardson comes in and boom, the offense does well and they score a lot of points and they basically win the game because he was doing so well. But the, one, the other thing I want to talk about was the play, the Damian Pierce uh, – Helmet ripped off. Yeah, grown man play right shit. there. Holy cow! <laughs> I remember. I remember seeing that. I saw the highlight highlight of that. Holy uh, shit, that was awesome. I saw that and I was like, "Oh my god, that's terrifying." <laughs> yeah. This is the most scary play I've ever seen in college football. Like it's up there. Uh, uh, I can't think of anything true because the like, how terrifying is that? That you're this guy. Gets his helmet taken off, doesn't go down, and goes full head contact against like right two. Through it. Didn't even care. Yeah. Just went through it like he was like, I'm getting this touch. I get that he was penalized <laughs> and all about player safety, but they should have given him like eight points for that play because yeah, that I was know. crazy. It was that was amazing. That was that the was... most grown man play I've ever seen in my life. That was awesome. And regardless of what happened, and he ended up getting a touchdown, even though once they continued to drive, and it's just, I. I've been very high on Damian Pierce all year, and I've really appreciated what he's done considering they've limited him all year. But, man, he is such a – the guy is such a good running back. Like, he – there's no doubt in my mind he will make it to the NFL because right now he hasn't put on that many carries in college. He's a very capable running back. He breaks tackles. He's He gets – I think his average is like 5.5 per carry, uh, something like that, which is pretty, pretty damn good. And then he can catch out of the backfield. He does like everything a back needs to do. Um, he's a little short, but that's not really that big of a deal because there's plenty of short NFL running backs. Um, I just, I don't know. It's, just, it's been yeah, frustrating. No, he's definitely one of the best running. I still think he's the best running back, at least in the. He's up there with one of the best running backs in the SEC, if not the country. 
Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, it's crazy to say that. And he has so little stats, but it's just, it's because Dan Mullen decided to play three guys, which is like, you know, honestly, I like Malik Davis and Naquan Wright, but it's like, if they were going to really like ride a horse, they should have just rode Pierce uh, Pierce in just ride him. Cause he, he obviously can take the, the, the carries, but he just, they didn't want to do it. Um, but Billy Napier gets hired, so all is well. And plus, Florida gets the win. So yeah, I will say the only thing I want to mention with the game too is that yeah. um, nothing. Re- I mean, that game went about as well as I expected it to be, which it, it did not go well at all. Oh, it was an it was absolute terrible. mess of a game. I knew, it yeah, it was an awful game on both sides. Right up, uh, literally, right up until the end when they missed the onside kick, which I was actually oh my belly God, laughing. That was hilarious. I was hilarious. belly laughing, laughing watching that because I was like that. <laughs> If that's the way Florida State's going to not become bowl <laughs> eligible, that is the most like oh antithesis God. way of it to happening. He missed it, but yet still somehow made enough the wind, contact. Yeah, the wind, and then oh yeah, it, that was I, and I couldn't believe I couldn't even believe the fact like that was what pretty much made us bowl eligible. I know, that. and that was it, right there. And that, but I will say too, I think you know that game says more about Florida State than it does about Florida. You're right. And that's that was, what I was saying as well. Because that was a game Florida State should have won. And I, oh, I no said way. No, 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 no. Okay. Dude, the game was, uh, what was it? It was a 10-point game, and uh, Anthony Richardson got stopped on that uh that third down, that was clearly a first down. If he's, oh, no, I'm if, talking about going into the game. Oh, yes, going, okay, yes, sorry, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about the game itself. Florida, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're not right. the game itself, because no, once right. we had sorry, control, sorry. I was like, I, I, I jumped on it. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. But I was the whole game. I was like, this. I don't know what happened because Florida State should have beaten a team like us. Yeah, Florida showed that you know they didn't have the motivation. They didn't have you know the wherewithal at least for the past couple of weeks have proved to me that they could win the, a game like this. And that's what I was saying. I was like, you know, I'm still thinking, you know, the FSU program is going in the right direction, but I don't think it's going as well now after that. Cause again, that was a game where you're playing a team that doesn't, you know what I compared it to? I compared it to Florida losing to LSU. You're playing a team that yeah, is battered definitely. and beaten without their head coach and you have more to to play for with this win, not yeah. just besides going to a bowl game, but right. just, you know, to beat your rival in that. And they still lost. And that's what I was saying. I was like, it's, you know, it's definitely a learning lesson for FSU and one they need to seriously take. But I my expectations have been tampered a bit with FSU now because I, you know, I still think they're going in the right direction, but I don't think they're skyrocketing as much as I thought they were. If they beat Florida and went to the bowl game, I would be like, okay, yes, they're definitely going the right way. But it's uh, when you lose to, yeah, because. Well, they have, they have eight wins in the last two years and that's less than uh, Willie Taggart had in his time. So I don't know. It's, um, I guess next year will be really the telltale sign. If they can win like eight, nine games next year, then they're in the right direction. But I think really it's incumbent on next year. If they don't Mm -hmm. really prove it next year, he's probably fired. And then they're back at uh, ground zero again. And I, you know, couldn't, couldn't happen to a shittier fan base. Like I always say, you know, right in. Okay. 
Moving on. So Wake Forest, Boston College, Wake Forest wins 41-10. Just a solid performance by a very good offense. And I am excited to see them play Pitt in the ACC championship game. Should be a very phenomenal conference championship game. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought that coming into the year that Pitt and Wake Forest Forest. the, the, the teams? But here we are. Okay, moving on. UTSA, North Texas, uh, Ian, I'll let you take it because it was a very to. terrible day. <laughs> I don't, you know, I had a very fun Saturday up until this moment. <laughs> oh, man, it, it was rough. You know, like I said, I'm a big, you know, I was definitely on the boat for UTSA, but man, it it went south and it went south fast. Um, They just didn't have an answer uh, this whole game uh, for North Texas, which is a shame because North Texas had been running it the whole their whole offense has been based on the run, and that's something UTSA should have planned for. I definitely know that the Roadrunners, the defense was not the brining shine spot of the Roadrunners team. It was definitely based on the offense and their uh, dual threat attack, especially the running attack. But man, they got bullied, beaten, and battered in this game, and it's definitely a big letdown. No, not really. Anybody had a good game for that was the problem too. Nobody really had a good game for UTSA. I'm that that's what I'm the, why I hate about this game is that I'm struggling to find something good for the Roadrunners because the quarterbacks didn't really play well. And the running backs were pretty much held in check. Um, it was really just, you know, North Texas uh, game from the very beginning. Um, it's still a very good season for a very young team uh, for UTSA and, you know, going to the conference championship, but it's definitely a bummer to see them no longer among the echelon of undefeated anymore. Yeah. It was a lot of turnovers and, you know, North Texas just had their number. I mean, that's just what happens some days. Yeah. You just lose games that you're, there's nothing you can do. Whatever you do will go wrong. And, um, you just don't have an answer for it. And they still scored a decent amount of points, but obviously, you know. Way too little, way too late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, moving on. The next one is Alabama-Auburn, which was a snooze fest up until they get into overtime, but Alabama wins 24-22. Dude, this game, I thought Auburn iced them. I was like, there's no oh, yeah. way. I was like, there's no way Alabama's winning this game, much like the NC State UNC game. And dude, all Tank Bidsby, all he had to do was go down, down yeah. in bounds. And the game was literally fucking over. I don't know what he was thinking. I think he thought he was going to be able to get a first down. So he kept going. And it's like, dude, like, man, you can't you, do that. You, you can't. You I remember seeing think the game the situation, dude. Like, you have to be aware of like what like the, they should have fucking told him everyone on the fucking field. Every one of his his uh, teammates be like, dude, if you're close, go down. Like, even yeah, do not go out of bounds. Do, do not stop. the yes, clock. you need them to call timeouts. It's the only way they were going to win the game. And he oh, man, I just can't believe it. it. That's I what I said. It it's was it's ridiculous. One, you know, when you're playing a team like Alabama, and this is true, um, you know, I hear this a lot. When you're playing a team like Alabama or these like top teams, you can't make mistakes because if you no, give you them and if you give them more chances, they will take advantage and you will lose. Back to exam again, Alabama, when Florida played them in the SEC championship last year was when it was the interception, and then he got laid out yeah, and fumbled, fumbled, and then Alabama and then got the ball back. right back. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I I remember watching the SEC championship last year and I saw that and I was like, 
that's it because you that know, was their that's chance. what happened. Yeah. yeah, that was their chance. They couldn't hit on, and Alabama just r- rode the wave going in, and that was it. You know, like I said, and as soon as Tank Bibbsby went out of bounds, I said that's a mistake. And sure enough, you make a mistake, and you give Alabama more chances uh, to respond. They're going to respond because, uh, like I said, they're one of those teams that have been in those situations before, so they know how to come back from that, and they know when blood is in the water, and they sense a mistake. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, Bryce Young got his uh, <clears throat> led the team back to the field, turned the switch on at literally at the last second, um, and Alabama won the two point contest pretty much. I mean, it, it's just remarkable to me if you think about it. Like a team, I wonder what the win probability for Auburn was when they stopped Alabama at like the 50 yard line on that fourth down with like less than two minutes left. I really, what I, it had to be something very minute. And if like, that's the case, it's like, how the fuck did they lose that game? I just still, it just blows my mind that they so lost when that Tank game. Bisbee ran for that play and went out of bounds. Auburn had a 99.8% chance of winning. Even before that play or before after? he ran out of bounds, they had before, a 99.8% chance of winning. That is crazy. That is crazy. All, literally, all he had to do was just go down at any point in time. Didn't even matter about getting the first down. It just mattered. Like it mattered more about wasting the time. Yeah. Because if 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 they call that timeout there, they save like forty seconds. And so if like if they don't have that forty seconds, I think they got the ball with like a minute twenty. There would probably have been like forty seconds left, maybe less. Probably a lot harder to get down the field. Ah, man. Makes your head hurt just even thinking about it. Jesus Christ. Okay, moving on. Oregon State, Oregon. Oregon pretty much in control of this one the, the whole way, 38-29. I really like that uh, uh, Travis Dye kid, the running back. Oh, yeah. The one without the gear on. You know, he, he's only got basically his helmet and his uh, shoulder pads and the – you know, the uniform on, but he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have gloves. He doesn't have bracelets or, or, uh, uh wristbands Wrist or bands. anything. He's just, you know, like old school and, uh, he's very tough runner. You know, he's makes very good plays and I just, I can, I enjoy watching him play cause he looks old school. Looks like, uh, do you, I don't know if you remember cause you were probably weren't even alive yet. Wayne Corbett. Have you ever heard that name? Oh yeah. I know he was on the jets. Yeah. 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 He, he, I think he did the same thing. He didn't have gear on either. Um, but, uh, yeah, Oregon wins and it's just too little too late. They're going to go to the PAC 12 championship, but it's just, I don't know. It's just really a shame that they couldn't, uh, they couldn't win that game last week. Um, who did they play? Um, I know they lost to Stanford. Who's the other one they lost to? Oh, Utah. Oregon? But they're getting oh, the yeah, rematch. They lost to Utah. Yeah, they got smoked by Utah, but they're going to get a rematch. So at least they'll get some revenge there. Okay, moving on. Wisconsin, Minnesota. Minnesota wins 23-13. Kind of a boring game. This, you know, typical Big Ten kind of garbage, you know, nothing really happens type game. Anything from here stands out to you? It's just a defensive struggle. That game went about like I expected. It was going to be down dirty, uh, close-knit uh, football, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, and Minnesota definitely, you know, pulled away, got the upset when uh, and they went at 23-13. Okay, uh, so speaking of LSU and uh, Ed Ogeron, Texas A&M, LSU, LSU wins 27-24. I didn't get to see the highlights in this one. I, it was one of the ones I didn't get to. What What did you think of this one, Ian? Um, 
man, this was not a good day for teams in the SEC West holding leads at the last second because that's exactly what happened. Because uh, Texas A&M was up 24-20 with like 30 seconds left. And then Johnson threw a uh, 30, you know, like a 30-yard touchdown. I don't know what it is with LSU upsetting teams at the last game of the season with miraculous plays. But yeah. sure enough, the, the, the Bayou Bengals pulled off again because it was – he literally threw it to the sideline. It was like a one-handed, really tough catch. But he found a way to thread the needle and uh, score the, you know, game-winning touchdown with like 20 seconds left. Um, and – the stats will tell you too. I remember seeing the end of game stats and I was like, LSU should have scored a lot more points and it shouldn't have come down to a touchdown because AM was begging to lose that game because yeah. uh, they were not playing well. Um, but LSU gets the upset win. It's another um tough loss for AM. Um, and that because that was a game AM, uh, you know, even though LSU outplayed them, AM should have, you know, iced that game and won it, but they left too much time on the clock and they left uh, the big play open. Okay, moving on. Dude, this game was great. I recorded it. I didn't get to watch all of it because I wish I, I really wish I did because we ended up doing a, a movie date night. But Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam. Lives up to the name. Dude, 37-33, Oklahoma State. I Even just seeing the highlights, I was like, wow, I can't believe that's how the game ended. You know, um, Oklahoma State gave up uh, a safety, and they gave up a um, uh, what is it? Uh, I think it was a was it a fumble return for a touchdown or an interception return for a touchdown? I think it was a fumble. If it I was remember, a fu- yeah, yeah, it, it was, was a fumble. fumble. And then they also had a, an interception that got returned deep into their own territory, uh, which led to points as well. So, yeah, it was that know, second half swing. Yeah, and they're uh, and Oklahoma State's defense played very well. Uh, you know considering the circumstances, but then Oklahoma state got a kickoff return for a touchdown. And then, um, uh, a couple of runs by, uh, Sanders. Spencer, yeah. Spencer Sanders. Sanders scored the touchdown. And then, uh, what was the go ahead touchdown? I don't remember. Was it, uh, uh, it was, uh, I believe it was Jalen Warren. If I remember correctly, uh, was able to punch it in. Was it a running touchdown? I can't remember. I, I, yeah, it was a running touchdown because I think Oklahoma muffed the – yeah, they muffed the punt. Yes. So, so, okay, that wasn't in my highlight package, but I knew about it because I saw it either on uh, Twitter or somewhere else that it was talking about it. So what exactly happened? They muffed the punt. And, and then it was at like the, the five-yard line or something. Okay. Like it was inside the 10. Yeah. Because then also Oklahoma State, I think, had muffed a punt as well. They did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's – oh, that's where they got that touchdown. Okay, that's where Oklahoma got that touchdown. The fumble return was off that muff punt. So there was two muff punts. Remarkable. Just a great game overall. I loved, you know, just even watching whatever I could of it. It was, you know, it's one of those games that you're like, you know, you you just knew it was going to be a good game going in. And then it like totally lives up to it, which is like, fuck yeah. I love when that happens because it's it's such a... I don't know. This is the hype. This, yeah, this is why both me and you love college football is games like this, you know, is for Oklahoma, Oklahoma State games. And we're not even fans of either of the teams, but we still love the sport that much that we love to see games like that. And if us, it had a huge ramifications for the playoff and everything else because now Oklahoma is gone and then Lincoln Riley left and now Oklahoma State 
pops into the uh, Big 12 championship and has a shot at the the CFP. Okay, yep. <laughs> moving on. Let's move to Pitt, Syracuse. Um, your boy, Kenny Pickett, 31-14. Anything that stands out to you on this one? Just a dynamic and, uh, you know, very efficient game, as always, by Pitt. Um, definitely, you know, had control most of the game. Then, you know, once again, it's a big thing of not letting the big plays happen, especially when you're playing a team that you know you are better than. Um, and that's exactly what Pitt did. They made the right plays, made good plays. Kenny Pickett had a pretty solid game again. Um, and he'll finish the regular season as, uh, you know, definitely one of the uh, best of all time to play Pitt. Crazy. A, a school with Dan Marino. But uh, anyway, so moving on. Clemson, South Carolina. I'm not going to talk about this one because too much because it was 30 to nothing. Not really anything to talk about, you know, a steamroller by Clemson, but Clemson just finishes their disappointing nine and three years. So um, at least they didn't get any more losses, but okay. Uh, last two we'll do really quick as well. BYU, USC. Surprisingly, USC put up a fight. Way closer than it was, needed to be. Yeah, 35-31. I think, you know, surprised everyone. So, uh, But they got their coach now, so they got Lincoln Riley. So maybe this is the last of the, the terribleness for USC. And then lastly, uh, Cal, UCLA. UCLA wins 42-14, and boom, my season prediction was 100% correct on UCLA. <laughs> so there. I knew it. I knew they were going to have a good year. And considering that they had terrible years up until that point, that's kind of a on the like ledge. I know there was a lot going for them. They returned a lot of players, both on offense and defense. And they had some better things going in the end of the year. But I just knew that they were going to have a decent year. And just look out for them because, I mean, like, think about it, dude. Four years ago, if you would have told me that Dan Mullen would have gone out to that huge head start of great record, and then he would be the first one, one first fired, one fired, yeah, those three out of Scott Frost and Chip Kelly, it totally blows my mind that that happened. But uh, that is what happened, and, and Chip Kelly seems to be the best footing forward for out of all those three. Obviously, Mullen's fired, but Scott Frost gets another opportunity. But it seems. Uphill, uphill road. I don't I don't see good things for Scott Frost, but all right, moving on. Let's talk about the Heisman standings. Ian, give me your your uh your your list there. Kenny Pickett, Bryson, Matt Corral, with an emphasis on Kenny Pickett. There you go. Uh the one that I think we've gotta put in there though, even though he lost. And I, I don't know if you saw what I, I put it in there. I think we have to put in CJ Stroud because of his numbers. <laughs> yeah, he, he has I, that very good numbers. Yeah, like his numbers are very close to uh, Bryce Young. So if Bryce Young is there, I think you almost have to put CJ Stroud because it's very similar numbers. Okay, moving on. College football playoff rankings. I'm going to give the actual what happened this Tuesday. So yesterday, uh, the last two out. Our first two out were Oklahoma State and Notre Dame at five and six, respectively. Then you had Cincinnati at four, Alabama at three, Michigan at two, and Georgia at one. Which, okay, that seems about what it could be. Ian, do you have any differing takes there, or are you fine with what what they what they came up with? Um, no, I, I have a few differences. I have Georgia at one. Yep. Michigan at two. Okay. Um, I put Oklahoma State at number three. There you go. Cincinnati at four. <laughs> Alabama at five. Ohio State at six. Okay. So the only 
Wait, Ohio State? That's six. You don't have Notre Dame in there? Nope. You don't like it? I, I don't know. They don't have a convincing one. They don't have a All convincing right. win to me. Their Fair best enough. win is of like a four loss Wisconsin. Fair enough. Okay. Um, the only difference I have from you, I Cincinnati at two, Oklahoma State at three, Bam at four, Michigan at five, and Notre Dame at six. Notre Dame is the only. I don't like Michigan. Where did you have Michigan? Two. You had two. See, I don't. I just don't think they got the big going, win. They beat the number I, two team. I think that's correct, a fair trade. Correct. But the only thing I'm thinking is I think they're going to lose to Iowa. And I don't like their chances. Like I even brought it up earlier. I don't like their chances going up against uh playoff teams. So I, that's why I don't, but regardless, let's move on week 14 last technical week of the regular season. Cause the conference championship games are still technically uh, regular season because then you'll move into the postseason after that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got Pac-12 championship on Friday. We got Oregon and Utah. Ian, who do you have in this game? I think this is going to be, you know, harken back to when, remember when, who is it that Utah played? If Utah won, they would have been at least a problem in the playoff. Um, Talking about last year? No, it, it was the year? year before. It was the year before Utah was oh, in yeah, contention yeah, 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 yeah. for the playoff, and I think right. they lost to Oregon. Um, yes. You're so, right. with that being said, even though the playoffs won't be in mind, Oregon is you know is favored, but I think Utah pulls off the upset because I think Utah has the stronger defense and is able to throw a monkey wrench into the ru- Russian attack of Oregon. I'm going to have Utah winning the Pac-12 championship. I'm going to go with a 28 to 22 win for the UDs. Yeah, I'm not far off from you as far as uh, what your mindset of this and like what you're thinking. I'm, but I think Utah is probably going to control this game pretty substantially. And I'm going to say 38 24 Utah. I just, you know, they smoked them the last time. And I just think Utah probably is going to do the same thing. Um, you know, they got a solid team. Uh, their quarterback is decent. And, uh, you know, they're able to make plays against an Oregon team that, I don't know, I did favor them for throughout the year, but I just, ever since that Utah game, I kind of really have, like, lost, they've lost the luster for me. So, moving on, I'm going to let you take this one. The next one is your favorites. (laughs) What was the next one? Sorry, I think you cut out. Oh, the next one's your favorites. Oh, is it uh, the Conference USA Championship? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, this one, you know, I'm I'm going to go with, with UTSA in this one. I, I think they bounce back. The, the offense of Western Kentucky has been very good, especially their conference record. But I think UTSA, because of their balanced attack, is going to be able uh, – to keep it, you know, tight in this game. So I'm going to go with the Roadrunners winning a very close one. I'm going to go with the Roadrunners winning 34 to 30 uh, in one conference USA. Again, I'm not far off. I I don't know Western Kentucky because I haven't seen any of them play at all this year. So I don't know what their team is like. I know mainly seeing the highlights that I've seen of UTSA because of you. And so like, I know a little bit, but I don't know too much about UTSA. You know more about them than I do, but I was thinking the same thing. I think it's going to be a close game. And uh, I think UTSA wins this one. I got 31, 27. Okay. 
probably the biggest game of the day. Um, I would say biggest game besides maybe the Big Ten championship. Even the the AAC is pretty big as well. Well, and Big Twelve. Actually, all the championship all games are, are good. That's yeah, the it's conference be, championship week, except for Oregon, Utah. The rest of them have playoff implica- implications. So, with two teams that possibly might get in the playoff, you know, Georgia is almost assured of it, regardless of losing. Georgia, Alabama. I'm going to give my take first. Okay, all right. Yes, I have been all year saying how show me, show me, show me. That's just what I've been saying all year. Can Georgia do it in this game? I think they can. But I like Alabama because of the resilience they showed in that Auburn game. And I'll tell you why I think that'll translate into this week. Bryce Young is very young, much like his name. And he is learning as he is going. So it's not just inherent that he's going to be good, but he's is been very well throughout the year. I mean, over nearly 4,000 yards passing, 40 touchdowns plus. I mean, the kid is phenomenal, and he's making plays left and right. You know, he struggled all game against that Auburn, and then when they most need it, when they need a drive to, to tie the game to get into overtime, he does it. He does the damn thing and gets them into position and then throws the strike to the backup wide receiver because Jamison Williams was out of the game. So I like their chances because of Bryce Young mainly and because Georgia hasn't faced a good offense all year. I'm just, and I know Ian, I've been saying it all year, but this is finally, if they're going to really prove themselves as one, a playoff worthy team, which this will be it regardless. So they're going to get in the playoff, but also they're this alleged like historic run, like this historic defense. We'll see it. This will truly prove, truly prove the point. If they are a, if they stand the test against a good offense. And I don't think they're going to, I don't like Alabama's defense. So, so that that could lend lends itself to Georgia scoring a lot of points. So I'm going to go with Alabama winning, but I'm going to say it's going to be like 32 to like 27 or something like that. That's what I got. What do you got, Ian? So this one, I'll just need to look at the schedule and I can tell you how I think about it. Okay. Alabama's offense has struggled in the second half against Florida, struggled against Texas A&M, struggled against LSU, and struggled against Auburn. And those defense are vastly inferior to Georgia's. With that being said, I don't see I don't see Georgia's defense giving them any room for comfort in this game. I think Alabama will score and probably put up the most points of the season against Georgia, but I think Georgia will play a Georgia game. Uh and with that, I think the Bulldogs win the SEC championship. And I have them winning this one. I'm going to go with a 27 to 20 victory on the year or on okay. the, on, in the game. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's probably, probably not far off. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a close game regardless, you know, regardless. I do believe of it's going to be with, close, but yeah. I, I don't see because, and even again, Bama's defense struggled against like, I mean, they struggled against Florida and a lot of these teams. So you've got, yeah, they struggled against Arkansas. So the defense isn't going to be the bailout. I think it's going to be more, I think it is going to be a defensive struggle. Yeah. 
Okay, moving on. Big Ten Championship, Michigan, Iowa. Who do you got in this one, Ian? I have Michigan winning it on a game-winning field goal in a game that <laughs> needs to be way closer than it needs to be. I'm going to take the Wolverines winning this one, 33-31. to 31. I have Michigan with 31, but I'm going to say Iowa only scores 20. Like, I don't – I mean, I could see an upset, but I just don't think it. I mean, like – Iowa just sucks, man. As far as offensively, they're just not good. They're going to, they'll probably do something defensively. They'll probably get a defensive score. But as far as them as an offense, they're just not very good. And so I'm thinking it's going to be 31 20. So moving on to the AAC championship, Houston going up against Cincinnati. Um, I'm going to give my take on it. Okay. I just think Cincinnati rolls away with this. I think they're a team of, they're the best power five team or a group of five. group of five team we've ever seen. Basically. I don't, I have, I can't think of any other group of five that has looked as good as they have. They've been solid all year. They've only struggled maybe like once or twice, like really like score wise, every other game, they've pretty much been the better team in every game they've played. And they smoked SMU, which SMU is not a terrible offensive team. And, I like Ritter. I think he's going to perform very well in this game. But Houston is a very good team, so I can't really say that it's going to be a blowout. But I think Cincinnati is able to take control of this game. And regardless of what happens with the rest of the other teams, if Cincinnati wins this, I think Cincinnati gets in, and I think that's just what is going to happen. And that'll be great. That'll be great for college football to see a group of five team finally get into the playoff. That'll mean a lot to everyone. Really, it really will, regardless of what expansion happens or not. But getting a group of five team in, it does a lot for the just the mentality for everyone that really they have an actual chance of playing against the best teams and they deserve to be there and they do they deserve to be there so i'm going to say cincinnati wins i'm going to say cincinnati wins 34 and i'm going to say houston scores 24 34 24 that's what i got what do you got ian i think since he, i'm with you i think this is going to be a type of a shootout and I've got Cincy winning this one. I'm going to go with a 45 to 30 victory for the uh, Bearcats. 45 to 30. 30. Okay. 30. Sorry. All right. Last three. Let's do these really quick. Baylor, Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship. Ian, what do you got in this one? Baylor's offense has been very good, but I think the defense will prevail for Oklahoma State. I got the Cowboys winning it. I'm going to go with a 30. 30 to 20 win uh, for Oklahoma State. I'm going to go 31 22 Oklahoma State because I like Oklahoma State's ability to hold teams under 24 because it's been basically every team they've played except for this Oklahoma game. But that was largely to do with uh, non offensive touchdowns and non-offensive points are really that gave them that 33 points. So I can see it being, um, yeah. So what was your score again? Sorry. I, 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 I forgot to mark it down. 30 to 20, 30 to 20. Yeah. So we're not far off from each other. Okay. Pitt wake forest. Who do you got Ian? Uh, I've, I just think uh, Pitt has the uh, better overall team. I don't. I think the Wake Forest's offense is better, but I think Pitt is more balanced. So I'm going to take the Pitt Panthers winning this one. I'll go with a 28 
32-17 win for the Panthers. See, I, I love this Wake Forest team because I love how uh, offensively minded they are. And I think they're going to score a lot of points. But I also think Pitt's going to score a lot of points because Wake Forest yeah. defense sucks. So I think it's going to be 45-40 Pitt. I know it's a lot, but I just I, – I can envision it. If, if you're going to take the over – in this game, you better take the over because they're going to score a lot of points. I know you're thinking probably more like the under, but I'm thinking the over for sure because, holy shit, they're going to score a lot of points. Okay, last one just for fun. Louisiana going up against App State in the Sun Belt. Uh, Billy Napier's last appearance as the head coach of Louisiana Lafayette. I don't know much about either team. I know Ian, you probably know more than I do on this one. I'm going to let you give me your pick and then I'll, I'll say mine afterwards. Yeah. This one actually app state has had a better offense this season than the raging Cajuns. Um, I, I will say, you know, Louisiana has definitely had the better season so far. Their only loss was to Texas at the beginning of the year. And they've been rattling off wins ever since the problem was they haven't had the most convincing wins. Um, they've been very close. They did blow out app state earlier in the year, which was very surprising. I don't think that's going to happen again. I think app state is just, you know, a better team and they're able to jump on the mistakes of uh, Louisiana. So I'm going to take uh, app state winning the Sun Belt. I'm going to go with a 33 to 23 win for uh, the Mountaineers. Yeah. The, the thing I've been seeing about the uh, Louisiana Lafayette team last couple of weeks has been, it's like closer games but they've still been able to win those. So you know, obviously that loss to Texas was in the very beginning of the year. Um, I'm going to pull for Billy Napier here and uh, I'm going to try to watch it if I can. And uh, I think they win. I think they're going to win 24, 20, another close game, but uh, that's just what I'm going with, but that's just my opinion. Okay. That is technically the end of the regular season folks. So that is, the rest of our shows are going to be very smaller compared to these because we don't have as much to talk about. So we'll, we will do probably a show next week, um, recapping the conference championships as well as talking about Heisman potential teams. And then uh, going into the bowl, talking about the bowl games and the uh, the CFP. So we'll talk all about that. The one thing, Ian, I don't know if you're interested in, and I, I would rather do talk about this on air or on the podcast. Would you want to do something on Saturday or Sunday discussing what teams we think will be in the playoff after what goes down on Saturday uh, conference championship wise Sunday would probably be best uh, to do if you want to do that. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll, okay. So folks, if you're listening to this during this week, we're going to probably do something that we can get out to you guys either do, I don't know. I might try to figure out some way to do like a live uh, Twitter or maybe something just so that we can like have so that people can hear right away as it's going down so that we can give our opinion, almost kind of like a, uh, um, I don't know. You know how like uh, Eli and uh, Peyton do their like, yeah, the know, little, their, their yeah, commentary podcast, as yeah. things are going on. So we could have that like as it's going on and like, you know, do something where we can have it live. I'll figure something out because there's got to be some interface that I can do that I can, I can, I can, I can put it together. But anyways, look for that this week. That'll be Sunday as the uh, playoff teams are being announced. 
Um, but regardless, you can reach us at haterradio.com. Uh, on Insta and Twitter, both of us are, at, are for Hater Radio is at Hater underscore radio for both of those. Uh, and also Hater Radio on YouTube. Ian, what is your socials? Uh, socials, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, G Gator G, capital G underscore Gator underscore capital G. And you can also reach us at uh, haterradio1 at gmail.com for email. So that's the show. I am Chris McLean, Ian Gibson, my good sir. Uh, a great year so far. We're almost done. We only got a couple, like maybe like two more shows and that's it. So thank you everyone for listening and uh, have a great day. Peace.